today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Absolutely. And and I think one of the things we've talked about, um, and, and we, we produced a, a paper last year where we said, are we at the digital tipping point? And we said, there's a whole journey that digital takes where it moves from a feature to a channel to actually something that is embedded in um, how things work on a regular basis. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. My guest today is another Zach, Zachary Aaron. At Deloitte, Zach heads the payments practice globally and co-leads the U.S., We spend quite a bit of time on this episode trying to understand the move towards payments modernization. Of course, the current economic challenges influence how Deloitte's clients are thinking about things like RTP and new ISO standards. Zach sees MFIs taking advantage of the opportunities to streamline payments operations and products with an eye on future competitiveness. Zach also shares why he thinks payroll is one of the first use cases of real-time payments. I first met Zach at Money 2020 in 2022. And this episode is a continuation of that conversation that was started in Vegas. Zachary Aaron is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Well, Zach, pleasure to be here. Um, and so my name is Zach Aaron uh, with an H versus a K. Uh, I lead the payments practice globally, Colita in the U.S. for Deloitte. Uh, we have about 1,800 uh, professionals who provide uh, services across the payments ecosystem. So that's everywhere from uh, traditional financial institutions in the payment space, payment inter- intermediaries like networks or uh, central banks that help uh, manage and uh, the business manage payments, as well as uh, non-banks as well, whether that's fintechs, retail companies, healthcare, state government agencies, et cetera, where payments is an important part of their business. First of all, welcome to the podcast. And um, we had a chance to, to meet and, and talk at, in Vegas at My 2020 this year. I'd love to continue the conversation. And um, I think things have become clearer and less clearer since, since November. Um, so I'm kind of curious what you're seeing, Zach, um, about like how, how's the economic climate affecting your partners and your clients? Absolutely. So it's definitely going to be in our mind an interesting year um, where I think we're going to see two interesting forces sort of uh, collide against each other. One being continued progress around modernization of payments and certainly happy to talk about where we think that's going, but also against some very interesting headwinds, one of which is is, is really the macroeconomic environment. And what does that mean regarding uh, for instance, just on the consumer side, spending. Uh, what does that mean relevant to the issuance and the management of credit? Um, and and fundamentally also, as we see that, how is that impacting levels of investment and levels of, I would say, type of risk and, uh, and, and types of strategies that people want to take on? So let's start with that progress piece, modernization piece. Um, let's, can you catch us up to, to what you're seeing is going on there? I know we, we spoke about in November ISO and the RTP programs. Um, maybe set the, set the table for us. Sure. So we do believe that we're in the middle of a, a fundamental remaking of what it means to, to, to be in payments. And, and so when we think about it, to, when we think about modernization, we really see it in a couple of ways, one of which is uh, the modernization of infrastructure. And that's fundamentally, when we think about that, we think about the rails in which uh, are used to process payments. And so we see that uh, 
in uh, the move to the new ISO 20022 standard. Uh, some of that is driven by uh, mandates from SWIFT, but we see um, all of our financial institution clients looking at a path towards moving um, a lot of their payment flows to the ISO standard and using that to manage the business, especially when you think about the potential for uh, using the data that gets involved in the message. Additionally, we see that in the rollout of real-time payment networks. Uh, we have a, a couple in the US, uh, outside the US, uh, certain markets have already fully moved to that, but we're starting to see further adoption, trials, rollout of really new rails, whether those are real-time rails, whether those are uh, things like regulated liability network trials that we see occurring, et cetera. And then I think the third piece around that modernization that we see is even looking at things, you know, experiments around central bank distributed currencies or digital currencies and what that means, all with an eye overall around making payments easier to do, enabling more innovation to occur around the transactions or events that requires payments, and being and creating a more inclusive market for everyone, individuals, businesses to have better ability to gain and receive and move money to in order to be able to live their lives or run their businesses the way that they need to. So, so do you see this as um, an upgrade of technologies? Is this like a Y2K type thing? Or, or, or is this calling on financial institutions to remake themselves, transform themselves? Well, how, how do you see it? Where does it fall in that spectrum? We think it's more the latter. We don't think it's a quote unquote Y2K moment where, uh, where people you know, looked up and said, uh-oh, are we going to be in trouble? But rather, technology advancements have enabled the ability to do more. And so it's enabled the ability for us to look at things on how do we take friction out, whether that's using automation as an example, or things like better integration through APIs to bring unique technologies, or things like cloud, where you can take certain platforms, move them to the cloud, and gain increased scalability and speed. And so all of those are, how, do, how can we now take advantage of it to make payments easier. And by making it easier, that enables greater ability for people to take advantage of the ability to, to send and receive money. And again, the better ability to innovate around that and to bring better experiences or, be or make people be able to do things that they want to do easier. Right. I definitely feel like a lot of the changes are being led by consumer, uh, consumer expectations. How, how prepared do you see um, financial institutions to be able to, to make this, this leap? Uh, so I think a couple things. One is we see um, all of our all of all of the financial institutions that we serve being making being really aggressive and being really thoughtful about how how to support this. And so, uh, what does as being an aggressive mean? Uh, sure. So uh, investment. Um, mm -hmm. And so we see investment. We see uh, effort and awareness around what needs to be done. I think I think they see what their retail customers want, but they also are hearing what their businesses want mm -hmm. uh, as well. And so we see a lot of that uh, investment and effort being put in as an example. Um, you know, when you think about some of the, the, the public announcements relative to uh, partnerships that are being brought out, the trials around uh, expanding real-time payments and access around that, I think you see you see a lot of effort uh, being made to say how do we create uh, improved customer experiences? How do we we create better access? How do we also view collaboration um, as well so that we can actually bring those experiences more quickly to customers? 
Uh, I know, you know, in, in our coverage of the RTP space, real-time payment space, um, w one of the issues is like, what's, 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 what do you think some of the early use cases are going to be there to show the power of real-time payments? Uh, so uh, a very um, uh, sort of one that's already been taking place has been payroll, as mm -hmm. an example. And we think a lot about gig workers, uh, as an example, or folks that, um, you know, the, getting access sort of in a traditional every two weeks, once a month way of getting paid is not a good way uh, for them to be able to manage their own lives. Um, it actually puts them at a disadvantage. And now we're seeing the ability for, for instance, a lot of the a lot of these platforms that rely on uh, gig workers, everything from food delivery, mm -hmm. um, uh, services, um, et cetera, to be able to enable folks to be able to say, get paid when you want to get paid even on an everyday basis, if that's what enables you to be able to use money faster for you to pay bills, for you to do the things that you need to be able to do to live, to live, to live your life. So I want to switch gears a little bit and, and maybe look at some of the challenges that banks have. So I, I've been thinking a lot recently about Goldman Sachs and Marcus and, and their recent earnings. And, you know, while Marcus as an, you know, we, we always pointed it in our coverage as like sort of the, the sole you know, Wall Street Bank that's that's really undergone a digital transformation progress, and and if you judged it by the deposit you know, growth that it had, it, it it ostensibly did a very good job, um, but but it's losing a lot of money for the bank, and the bank seems to be paring back its interest there, and 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 most likely will move into like sort of embedded finance player, but you know, I guess what what I don't we don't have to talk about Goldman specifically because uh, I know that would be challenging for you, but like what what. what what can banks do right? Like, and, and how should they be thinking about being competitive in the future, given, given the light, how hard this is? Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things we've talked about, um, and, and we, we produced a, a paper last year where we said, are we at the digital mm -hmm. tipping point? And we said, there's a whole journey that digital takes where it moves from a feature to a channel to actually something that is embedded in um, how things work on a regular basis. And it's almost becomes the point where you don't really say digital anymore because it's, it's expected. It and, right. and, and we think we're nearing towards that. And part of that process is actually really understanding the totality of the business model and the operating model and how you do it. And so we see that playing out in a variety of ways. So we see, as, as you know, when we actually have looked at previous sort of evolutions or, or things that have kind of found their way into in, 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 into practice that there's, there's sometimes a period where um, you move from one stage to, as, as things evolve, you have to then think about how you evolve the overall model around it. And so what really sort of happens is, and what we've seen a little bit is people are figuring out things around, well, how do I adjust you know, my risk model? How do I adjust how I handle the totality of operations and servicing? How do I, and, and I think some of this is all sort of natural part of evolution around this. We do think it is one of the other things that we're, that we're seeing. I mean, we see certainly a lot of other areas where, you know, things have, you know, sort of have had a big upswing. And now you start to see a little bit of, you know, um, I would say sort of recalibration and remeasuring, but what they don't do is go away. And right. so what we see here, especially in the evolution of digital is 
it's about learning and it's about how you take this and figure out how to fine tune the model and figure out what actually does work and how do you strengthen everything that you do from front, middle to back office to support that. So I'm still looking. One of the things that, that I'm struck with is in our, in our speaking to Goldman executives over the past eight years, um, they always, they always said like, well, we've got more engineers than Facebook does, you know? And I'm like, that's one way to judge, you know, digital transformation, but it doesn't make you a digital company. You know what I mean? And it's like, I guess, how are you talking to clients to think about as they're looking out into like one, three, five year plan, like how to, how to stay competitive, um, giving their customers what they want, but also like not being displaced really by some of the newer players. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's, you know, so that conversation we have a lot around uh, a variety of topics in the payment space. So as an example, real-time payments, we, mm-hmm. what we say is it's not, it's not an if it's a when uh, as an example. And so if you think about what some of these things are, are, are teaching us, right. In terms of being digital first um, mm-hmm. or even thinking about things like buy now, pay later, what we find is it's the it's what you're building sort of underneath that is the enduring asset. So when we talked a lot about buy now, pay later, it gets a lot of press around things around risk models and exposure. But what it also has taught us is customers do want real-time issuance. They do want the ability to personalize how they pay for something based on the transaction amount. It needs to evolve. Um, further into how to provide and give as an institution your customer the best advice about when, where, and why, and how to use it. And mm-hmm. it then reminds you to think about also how you help um, coach and, 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 and help your customer in thinking about responsible usage and, and things like that. And then also, how do you think about how do you enable that to enable the right merchant experience mm-hmm. as well? And so when we think about all these things to our clients, we start with you have to think about the long arc. The long arc is it's not if, it's when. And it's really about understanding and improving your underlying capabilities so that you understand, again, everything directly end to end. It's not just about how I issue a product, but how do I manage it post-issuance? It's about how do I educate my customer, be that an individual or a business? It's how I modify and enhance the way I service things overall. And so taking that overall view and building the capabilities around it, you then can figure out the right way in terms of how you present and manage that product and experience to your customer. Okay. So if uh, RTP is not an if, it's a when uh, thing. What about central bank digital currencies? Is that an if, not when, or vice versa? Yeah, it's a, and I, and I guess the, the the thought there is what we're seeing is a lot of trials where people are saying, you know, the problem to be solved is partly a friction problem and partly an inclusion problem. Mm-hmm. And is this going to enable payments to be made easier? Is it going to be able for people to manage, for institutions to even manage transactions easier? And is it going to enable greater inclusion? And so... As those questions get answered, you'll start to move to it's not if, it's when. Um, I still think we're probably not there yet, but when we see the various sort of trials that are being done um, by uh, various economies, right, you're seeing the learnings and you're seeing those underlying sort of things that come through that say, this is really the enduring asset and feature that needs to be built upon. 
that I think will help towards answer that question. And I think this year, when we see some of the trials that are being that are being executed, um, and you see sort of the, the learnings from that, I think we're going to start to see if it starts to answer the question, it moves to not if, but when. And I think we'll probably get a little bit of clarity on that this year. How, how have you seen the impact at the, at the trial level, given all the chaos that's been going around in the, you know, in the privately owned uh, crypto space? Yeah, and I think that's one thing we've always said. We have you have to separate the speculative aspect right. from, uh, especially as, as a payments practice, for what this is really talking about regarding infrastructure, and so, um, and and really the ability to make payments function. What we are, you know, in our in our mind. When we think about it and you separate the two out, the level of uh, focus and cooperation is is pretty significant. Um, and I think it's it's really done with a focus on how is it answering these questions around, does it make inclusion into payment, into the ability to move money easier? Does it make moving money easier overall? And I think you see a focus on answering those questions uh, by the folks that really are in the business of payments that is sort of separate from, I think, a lot of the news that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that generally comes out on the topic. And, and are those very local? And, and I, so I know a lot of different economies are attempting this. Are economies looking at what's happening in other spaces? Because it feels use cases, if, if you're going to say inclusion or friction, um, those are very much local, seem to be local issues. Yeah, um, they are. And so, for instance, in a lot of our, a lot of the ways we assist our clients, a lot of it is, well, let, especially in the US, it's, well, let's talk about what's happened in the UK. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a lot about um, Australia, uh, as an example, um, India, right? So there, you see a lot of wanting to learn what others have done. And everyone understands that this, the context is different and, and is unique. But they do want to understand, well, what are some of the learnings? What are the things that we can expect? How do we not necessarily repeat certain things? The other thing I think that is encouraging is you see a lot of cooperation. So there's Mm -hmm. trials. uh, You have trials right now between the U.S. uh, and Europe. Uh, one that's being led, for instance, by, by, by the Clearinghouse, as an example. You see trials that are occurring out of Singapore through MAS with a variety of, uh, of economies that are, are all about actually interoperability. Um, we think that is actually another big theme for this year is the level of cooperation and the ability to understand interoperability between some of these networks and some of these trials is, is in our mind, going to be a really encouraging development that comes out this year. Awesome. In the last few minutes, Zach, I want to talk to you about um, some of these economic headwinds that, that we, you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation. Um, how, how are those impacting the payment sector? And, and, and what are some of the things you're counseling your clients, your prospects um, to do, you know, to face, to face what, what's going on in the world? So a lot of our clients, again, they've, you know, have, have, lived through this Seen cycles uh, from, yeah from, from time to time and so there's a lot of elements around thinking through you know some some things just basically around managing overall risk in terms of you know extension of credit and things like that um obviously sort of macro conditions can sometimes um slow down the rate of innovation and so there's a little bit more of a focus on Yes, we, we need to progress, but let's make sure that you know everything can be done in measurable steps, and you sort of focus the efforts that that, that you want to make. 
the interesting part we also see though is a lot of our clients are also thinking about this from an opportunity perspective, hmm. um, right? Certainly one, the, as, and, and I see that in two examples. One is digital. And one of the examples around this is, can we be using this to become continuously more efficient mm-hmm. in terms of how we do everything from product presentment to product management, servicing, and operations? And you know, we see some of this in terms of thinking about payments um, on an enterprise level, not just on a product level, especially in how you manage some of the operational aspects of it. Number The other example is actually relative to workforce. And so we're starting to also see a lot of our, our clients take a look at this and say, is this also a great time for us to think about how we train uh, our folks in taking advantage of new technologies? Is this an example of how we can also think maybe even more innovatively about the role, about how our people are going to create and support new products and services in the payment space? Um, and so, you know, we've certainly seen that from times from our clients who are really thinking about this is actually the, also the time to double down on sort of our, the, the if you will, um, our work experience, our people experience in terms of how they support what we're tra- what, what, what needs to be accomplished uh, in payments. And so I think there's some interesting things that we're going to see. I don't think it's going to be inertia or not inertia, but it's not going to be inactivity, pardon me, uh, in what's going on. But rather, I think we're going to see some interesting uh, focuses and some interesting advancements that come out um, along with some of the trials and things that we mentioned earlier in the podcast. Dr. Aaron, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Absolutely, Zach. It's a pleasure.